Hello, everyone. This is the Connected Family Podcast, episode number 11. This podcast is produced by Connections Family Counseling, LLC, a group counseling practice located in Quincy, Illinois, that helps build resilient kids, strong marriages, and connected families. My name is Mark Vanderlei, and I'm your host. Today's episode is all about overcoming eating disorder. My guest on the episode today is Rhonda Van Dong. Rhonda is an author, a teacher, a mother of four, and a wife. Rhonda is passionate about sharing her story regarding eating disorders to help others overcome and learn that there is hope and it is possible to overcome this disease. Please enjoy my interview with Rhonda Van Dong. So welcome to the Connected Family Podcast. My guest today is Rhonda Van Dong. Thank you so much for being here, Rhonda. Yep, of course. Uh, I thought we would start today and just have you introduce yourself, maybe tell us a little bit about what you do, your family, as much as you would love for us to hear. Okay. I live in Sioux Center, Iowa, which is way up in the northwest corner. Um, I'm married to Benj, is my husband, and we have four boys, um, Micah, Jamin, and Eli, and Isaac. They're fifth, third, third, and first, so we have twins in the middle. Um, I am a teacher. I teach part-time at a local high school. I teach English, though next year I'm teaching Spanish, so I have to kind of go back and forth between the two languages. So that's what I do. Um, Take care of my family, do laundry, you know, stuff like that. (laughs) So I have to to make a connection there because you have four boys. I have three boys and then a girl, and I love the experience of raising boys is just quite an experience and I, I imagine it's that way for you as well yeah it's kind of lots of fights and wrestling and football and all yeah. this stuff I didn't grow up with yeah so yours fight as well that's good to know <laughs> constantly <laughs> all right well so our topic for today is uh I guess I've titled it overcoming eating disorder we're going to be talking about um, eating disorder and a little bit of your experience with that. And so I've just kind of, you wondered if you could tell us what eating, what an eating disorder is. Um, maybe I'm throwing this out at you, but maybe um, even, you know, what are the signs? What are the things that one would look for if that were a challenge they were considering, thinking that someone they know might encounter? Sure. Um, an eating disorder is People think it's about the food, but it's really about control and using it as a way to control something that feels out of control in your life. So that can be a lot of different things for a lot of different people. Um, Some can be more serious than others, things that happened, I don't know, childhood stuff, whatever. I don't know. It can be anything. But Mm -hmm. it's a way to control, and you use food as a way to feel like you're in control because you can – do what you want with the food. And then as long as you're following those rules then you feel like you're in control and that other stuff kind of just gets buried, I guess Mm -hmm. is the way I would describe an eating disorder. Um, There's lots of different signs you can look for and it's different for a lot of different people because there's so many different varieties of an eating disorder. I guess like restricting food obviously is one that people think of a lot. Um, Somebody who used to be maybe really social and they're starting to isolate themselves and they don't want to be around people. Um, Going to the bathroom after you eat a lot, if somebody is bulimic besides. Um, Yeah, there's lots of different ways that you could, lots of different signs, I guess, that you could have an eating disorder. Okay. 
And you said there's a wide variety of them. And I was looking in the little book that I have as a counselor, and there's two that I that I imagine some of those varieties that you're speaking about are kind of different characteristics or something. Or can you speak a little yeah. more about that? Or I think I guess I I know about mine because I was just I was anorexic with um, obsessive exercise. So like I was obsessed with exercise besides. So I was definitely I was eating some, very restrictive, but I was exercising three or four hours a day on top of it. So definitely not getting what my body needed. Um, and I guess I'm not I'm not an expert enough to know like all the different there's like for instance yours had to do with restricting food and exercise and somebody else might have a different combination of those the different symptoms or the different things to be watching out for yep okay yeah. i was in treatment we weren't allowed to talk to each other about our eating disorders i mean you don't because that could be triggering right so okay. yeah okay so um thank you for for like giving us that information and letting us know about that tell tell me the story of kind of your experience with eating disorder and the progression and then how you came to where you are now in a state of having more victory over it. Yeah. And eating disorder is never like, it was never in my mind growing up. Like a lot of people think of it as something that teenagers have. I was a pretty normal teenager. I like to think I was normal, pretty average. Um, I had lots of friends. I was social, whatever. Um, I moved through college. And then after college, I moved to Nicaragua to be a teacher. Um, and I learned, I learned later when I was in treatment that an eating disorder could be genetic. Like you could have it, they're doing research that says it could be a gene. And if, if you lose maybe five or 10 pounds for those people with that gene, all of a sudden it would kick in. Like I, and I didn't realize that before, but the way mine has started kind of seems like that would maybe be the case. Cause I moved to Nicaragua. Um, and food was weird, you know, different, huge life change. So I started watching what I ate, um, cut out pop because that's like all they drink there. So I cut out pop and different things like that. And then all of a sudden, I don't know, you just, I just look back now because all oh, when I was in Nicaragua for four years, I never thought you have an eating disorder. I just watched what I ate. I was careful about it, but I also started exercising more and it just kind of slowly progressed until like I would go home at break and people would be like I still remember one time I went back for a break and a friend from college said what happened to you disappearing I'm like oh I'm just I'm just being I'm running more whatever so I always had that excuse like I'm, I'm running I'm training for a marathon or whatever mm -hmm. so people never really thought about it too much because yeah. I had uh, I'm in Nicaragua so I'm I've got different foods so I'm obviously not eating the same I'm exercising a whole lot so nobody my family nobody ever thought oh she has a problem so it was really easy for me to get deeper into it without right. questioning and maybe it sounds like maybe even at that time early on you did not see it as a problem either I didn't either okay when did when did you begin to realize that as a problem um when so I was in a crowd for four years um there was times where like I would like I would run in the morning and then I started doing, the girls that I was teaching there with, we started doing um, an exercise video after school because 
So I would just join in with that. And then sometimes they wouldn't do it, but I would have to do it. And sometimes I wonder, why do I have to do it? Like they'd, they'd like at, be at school playing soccer, but I'd have to go home and do that exercise video because it became a rule. So sometimes that would be like, I'd be like, why can't I just go hang out, you know, with people? So there was like questions like that. But I didn't really, really understand that something was wrong, I guess, until I moved back into this four years and I got married to my husband, Benj. Um, and he started saying things like, cause I would run in the morning and then I'd do that, that exercise video. And he'd be like, he'd get mad at me. He's like, why do you have to do that? Like he'd get really upset. Mm. And I still, the word eating disorder never surfaced until, I don't know, maybe 10 years we were married. He would just get mad at me about exercising all the time. I'd mm. be like, leave me alone. It's not a big deal. So we, it was something that we lived with that was kind of like in our marriage, but we didn't know how to get around it, I think. Mm -hmm. So it kind of became this wedge that was there, an unspoken thing. Um, Bench had a friend who was a nutritionist. He's on the fire department and she was an EMT. And she started saying stuff to him because I knew her as well. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's when he started thinking that eating disorder word. Um so I think it was maybe, oh, I can't remember the year, two years of living like this because it is hard to live with, right, to have all those rules or whatever. And so he said his friend, um, who is a nutritionist, said that she'd help us and that you have to have this contract and that you need to stop exercising. You need to get an accountability group who can sit down with you and talk things through. And that's when I that's when I started to realize what an eating disorder was. I didn't go to treatment or anything. It was just information that she was sharing with me. Mm -hmm. Like, my friends asked me, this accountability group, it was just my friends. They're like, so, like, if I asked you to eat some M&Ms, I'd be like, no way. Like, I don't eat that kind of stuff. Like, mm -hmm. they're like, not even, like, two. Because in my mind, all of a sudden, I'm counting calories. Like, mm -hmm. two M&Ms, you know? So, things that I started realizing were weird, like, that was not normal, that it had just become normal for me because I lived with it for so long. And then I started realizing like people, like I could feel when I gained a pound, which seems really strange, but I could just feel it. And they're like, that's not normal, you know? Mm -hmm. So I did that. That helped me for a little while, for a summer. I stopped exercising, but then I slowly got back into it. And because it seemed like I was doing better, and we didn't know the severity of it because nobody was a professional. We were just my friends trying to help me, right? Yeah. Um, so I slid back into it. They stopped asking, which was no fault of their own. I, I came off as I was doing good, and I thought I was. But I slid right back into it. And again, Bench was the one who saw it because he was living with me. So since he saw it, I would always get defensive with him. It was just, yeah, it was a hard, hard thing in our marriage. But... Finally, two years after that, he said, I'm done. You're going to treatment. He had called the place. He'd found out, made an appointment for me without asking. And I was pissed. Um, and maybe I, my eating disorder was mad, right? Mm -hmm. um, but he, he put his foot down and he tough loved me into going. And I always say, I mean, he is the one that saved my life because without him, because no, he was the one who saw it because he lived with me every day. Oh. I could hide from other people, but I couldn't hide from him, even though I tried. Mm -hmm. So. Um, he made that appointment and the first appointment they told, it was in Minneapolis was the place that I went to. Um, and they said, 
Um, she has an initial appointment, but if we think that she's a bad enough case, she'll just have to stay. So you need to pack a suitcase in case. And that's what really set me over the top because I'm like, I'm not going to stay there. I'm not going to stay in treatment because I thought I could go to this appointment and they'll ask me some questions and I'll just like, you know, lie my way or whatever. But when I went there, that first appointment was all, it was a physical. So she basically read the physical signs of my body that I was in starvation mode my body was shutting down um, because it wasn't getting enough nutrients. And there was lots of different factors that she used to tell that. But she said, mm-hmm. you're anorexic and you're severely anorexic. Um, your heart rate, your heart could stop at any moment. So you need to be admitted. So right then, Bench had to leave, go back to Susanna, and I stayed there. Wow. Yeah. And that must have been an incredibly was, difficult day. Yeah. That was probably the hor- most the worst day of my life, probably. The worst and the best, if that hmm. makes sense. Because the best means that you then yeah. moved forward and got the help. Yep. Um, I would say, like, I had no idea what to expect. Like, when I went there, I re- most of the people that were there with me had been there. It was like their second, third, fourth. I think one girl had been there 11 times. So it was. it's very hard to get out of an eating disorder. So when I went there, I was very naive I had no idea um it's a very hopeless place because you've been there so long you've been fighting it so long and the reasons that you haven't needed disorder right like I talked about before you're trying to cope with something that you don't want to cope with so it was it's like a lot of hopelessness so that first night I went to bed and I was just crying right and I and I just prayed and I'm like God if you want me to be here then you're gonna have to do something like this is just all you so I just completely let go of everything and I woke up the next morning and I only can explain it as a God thing because I and it seems strange to say but I had so much joy while I was there in the midst of fighting this disease because and like I said it's just it's only because of God that's the only way you can explain it because the nurses sometimes said things to me like I remember one time a nurse my nutrition my nutritionist I wasn't gaining enough weight so she said we have to up your food plan and I'm like, okay, which, what do we need to add? And she's like, you know, normally when I say that to people, they start to cry. Mm. <laughs> I gain weight because I want to get out of here. Like, I want to get better. Like, I have a life to live. Um, so just God helped me to see the joy in recovery rather than it being, and it was still hard. Like, I'll never right. take away how hard it was. It was the hardest fight of my life. Like, right. it's like. There's like something in your head and you just want to pull it out, but it's, you can't get the voices out of your head. Yeah. So it was super hard, but God gave me exactly what I needed to be there because they, they didn't give me a time frame. They're like, you have to stay here until your physical signs show that you are eating healthy again. And they give you the tools that you need to help you recover. And so they don't tell you how long. So I just had, you know, you're just fighting the battle every day and hope and I'm like, I was determined. Mm. I'm a pretty determined person. So that also personality probably helped. But I was there for 16 days, which is a relatively short amount of time to be there. But it was a day before Thanksgiving I got to go home. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing. I'm, I'm, you know, listening to your story and feeling, I don't, I don't know what I'm feeling. I'm feeling emotion. I'm not sure what it is, but yeah. As you say it, you you talk about um, letting go 
and kind of like relying on God for that. And I think of, I don't have it perfectly in my mind, but the the passage that talks about um, if you're not a, you know, you're either a slave to, you're a slave to something, you're either a slave to this or you're a slave to Jesus. And it's a great thing to be a slave to Jesus. Yeah. And I don't know if that relates or not, but that's kind of what I was thinking about. Thanks. Yeah, I had a lot of Bible verses and I started, I emailed every night I would email. I had a group of friends and family members that I'd email home and it'd be like, I'm be like, here's my book for you tonight of everything that I learned. Because, like I said, it went in so naive, not knowing what an eating disorder was. So every day I'd have to, they'd have programming for you. So you'd go to classes and co- teach you coping skills and give you a food plan and all that stuff. Every day I'd learn something. Like in high school, I was very social. Like I had a lot Sorry, of friends. Sure. Um, but during my whole eating disorder, my adult life, I started to, like, I didn't have friends. And Ben would say it to me. He's like, why don't you go out with people? Why can't we go out with people? And I just wanted to be home because I wanted to hide. And I didn't realize that was because of my eating disorder. Like, he just wants you to isolate so nobody can see. Um, so I remember the day I, I remember the day that I had that, like, the light bulb went off. I'm like, wow, that's why. I really, I am a social person. I like people. <laughs> it's just my eating disorder doesn't like people. It was this so just and stuff, you know. It's amazing. So all that learning, I imagine, was just as you talk about it. It's like a really difficult experience, but a life-saving and a wonderful experience as you talk about it as well. Yeah, exactly. You talked a little bit earlier about rules. Tell us more about that. My life lived on rules because, like I said, eating disorder is about control, and the way you have control is rules. So as long as I followed my rules, I knew that I was doing what I was supposed to be doing to keep things in control. So, and they're just the most absurd rules. Now that I look back on it, I'm like, my word, so illogical. And eating disorder is completely illogical. So like I couldn't have meat all day long. And then I could eat meat at night if I had exercised a certain amount during the day. Um, I could only eat vegetables during the day. I had to exercise at least two hours every day here if we have a pizza place in town that everybody likes to go pizza ranch if we were going to pizza ranch at night I had to exercise at least four hours I had to otherwise I had to eat only the salad bar <laughs> just things like that it makes absolutely no sense but those are the things that kept me like in control I guess yeah and then I imagine those you talked about isolation so if you're those are things that begin to isolate you as well. Probably you're spending that much time doing those types of things. Sure. You're always thinking about it. You're always thinking about your rules. So if somebody would ask me to go out for lunch, no way. Like I would always come up with an excuse because it was out of my control. Like I couldn't count calories if I didn't eat. I had the exact same thing every day for lunch because I knew how much I would measure it out. I knew how much I had to eat and I knew that that meant I was safe for the day. And then at night I could sort of eat a normal meal but still I didn't I would make so a lot of times I would make two meals like if we had spaghetti I'd make one sauce with hamburger in it and I'd make the other sauce with just vegetables in it for me mm. but I'd try and like put plates and like pans in front of my plate so Bench couldn't see he did like yeah. of course he knew what I was doing but I'd try and hide it that way just dumb stuff like that but I, sh- I shouldn't say dumb it's just your eating disorder completely makes your brain illogical so when I was at treatment, like meeting with my therapist, her job was to help me start to peel back the illogic and see what's logical. 
to see what mm. makes sense. So she would help me. Like one day I had a horrible day in treatment because I had to, I had eaten it was breaded chicken and that was totally on my like off limits food. Mm. But I had to eat it for lunch. Um, and so she just she's like she started like why is that bad? Why aren't you allowed to eat breaded chicken? How is that different? Blah blah blah. So you know just to peel back the logic from the illogic and just help mm-hmm. you to see so that after a while like the longer I'm in recovery I can do that myself I don't need somebody else to do it for me I see the logic instead okay. and you I imagine are at times still peeling back those layers and having to work to see that that logic even as you're in recovery every once in a while like every once in a while like I don't count calories anymore like I don't because they taught me how to eat according to like they call it tallies. So you eat a certain amount of breads a day, a certain amount of vegetables, fruits, dessert, all that, right? So like I've totally gotten away from eating calories, but every once in a while I'll be like, and then I'll just stop myself and I'll be like, well, that's stupid. Like I can see it right away. It doesn't take me long. It's just a split second. I'll be like, that's dumb. You know, so I can see it now. Yeah. So, <laughs> so much more of understanding, you know, seeing the thought process that's going on inside of you, being aware of it and sure. having it come to the surface in many ways. Wow. So you're definitely, yeah. it's been two years, you said, since you were in treatment? Yep. Two years in last November. Yeah. Okay. And so, you, you know, you kind of described that it's just been the saving of your life and a really positive thing. Um, how have you seen that? How has that been? And how has it been in that way for you? It's been, well, it's been a process and it's just been a process like a dove discovery, right? To find out who I actually am. Because as an adult, my whole adult life has been this way. So I remember taking, um, it was a, your, oh, what's the word? Your spiritual gifts test. I took a spiritual gifts test because I had no idea what mine was. Or how um, the five love languages, you know that obviously. Like I remember Benj and I having, we did a Bible study on it once or whatever. And we could, I could never figure out what my love language was. And I took, I took the test and it was physical touch. Obviously, I could never figure out my adult life because I was isolating myself. So my, my love language, I couldn't use to express my love because mm. it was against what Ed was telling me. So just stuff like that. And um, finding out the way I treated my boys, like sometimes at night, I would get super crabby after supper always because... By that time of the day, I was hungry, so then I would eat way too much, and then I'd get crabby because I was at, it was like, you know, all rolled into that ball, and then I'd be crabby at my boys. So just my emotions were out of control because of the eating disorder, and then I treated my boys that way. So just understanding that and being able to be a mother to them without an eating disorder was huge. Um, I, I explained it as being like on vacation all the time, just the freedom of it. I remember going out for lunch with friends and be like, this is so much fun. We're just having lunch and I can just eat with you. And it's fun because I'd never done that before. Just I'd, I'd forgotten what that was like. So just the freedom of going to my mom's house on Sunday dinner and whatever she made. Like I used to like, if it was meat, I'd have a little bit just so it was on my plate. But then I'd have all kinds of vegetables. And I can eat all her good food. Yeah. <laughs> it's just super freeing. Yeah. And with Benj, I, I would explain it as, um, somebody explained it as the eating disorder is like having an affair. So there was always this third person in our marriage. 
helped us in our marriage just to be able to deal with things. And it took a, it's taking time to deal with it because I hurt him mm. a lot. So him having to deal with that as well, just a lot of different emotions. But it's been very good. And the way, you know, the way that you speak about the way that it impacted your relationships with your, the way that you parented your kids impacted your relationship with Ben, I, I, Benj, I guess I appreciate that. Um, that's tough. And I can't imagine, it's almost like we, I wish I would have asked Jared Sear to share um, his experience, but that must have, it must have been really tough and hard in the relationship. Yeah, it definitely was. So what do you think? So those are the people that were around you, you know, and you were saying that Binge, he saw it and he was the one who really pushed you to go to treatment and to get what you needed. What would you say to like family members, loved ones who may be watching someone they love suffer um, or experience eating disorder? What would you say to them and how they could help? You know, you got the person with an eating disorder, unless, unless they're just completely sick of it. You have to be the one to be their logical brain because they're not going to be able to do it themselves. Their ed very rarely is going to be able to say, yeah, you should go get rid of me, you know, right. because it doesn't want to be gotten rid of. So you have to be the one like Benj did and just tough love them and, and because they're going to act like they hate you because I acted like that to Benj. But it's not I didn't hate Benj. My eating disorder hated Benj. So you just have to be tough enough to say you're not the one talking to me. It's your eating disorder hating me and I'm going to love you enough to get you where you need to be. And it always seems like an eating disorder is kind of a, a hush thing. Like you should take a lot of talking behind the back kind of thing, mm. but it should be that way because it's, it's a, like I learned too, it's a, it's a disease just like diabetes, right? You mm -hmm. need to take your insulin for diabetes for an eating disorder. You need to get other help a different way. So you can't, you shouldn't be shy about talking about it. And I hope that I've done that. Like I started a blog and, very open about it because I don't want people to feel like they have to talk behind my back about it. Right. So if I'm open about it, then they have to be open about it. Yeah. And so it's, uh, be the logical brain for, yep. um, your loved one. And I don't know if you said this, but what I gathered from you, see, and you refer to him as Ed. Um, I'm gathering that see yep. Ed as the thing that is mad at you. So, you know, when you bring up, or you start to challenge your loved one on this, they're going to possibly get mad at you, but it's not, it's not them. It's the eating disorder. And right. so see the eating disorder as, as that thing that is attempting to control or, or the one that's mad at you. Is that right? Yeah. That's why it was so good. Like calling it Ed, like mm -hmm. making it be a person. I've also heard it like anorexia being Annie, mm -hmm. but if you make it be a person, all of a sudden it's something, somebody that you can fight. It's not just this, vague disease that doesn't have arms or legs or whatever so when it becomes a body all of a sudden like there would be times where i would physically like in my in my head i would mentally have the image of like punching him in the face just uh <laughs> and that helped because it was a physical something that i could do yeah and it, it really comes back to that idea you talked about before of freedom and when it's something else that's a body that you can imagine that you can you can then experience freedom from that thing and separation from that thing it seems like yeah yep. um so you also so you mentioned be the logical brain see ed as something else outside of them and that's the thing that's getting uh, mad at you if you're the loved one and then talk openly about it 
Um, and you talked about the fact that you have a blog. And I think I even saw, because I stalk you on Facebook or let's see your story on Facebook, um, that you hope to be an author someday. Um, share about that if you would. Um, so I, that email that I started that I told you about earlier that I, I wrote to people every day. And then somebody said, you should just start a blog. So I took all those emails and those were my first blog posts. Um, and then I, it was just my way to process and cause I'm, a, I communicate better in writing than I ever do in speaking. So it was just my way to process things and to share and build community. And I know, I think there's a lot of information on, and on eating disorders, but I don't know how much from a Christian perspective. And that's what mine is to show that there's, there's joy in, in God's freedom that he can give you. And I just want to tell my story that way so that people can see that it's not a hopeless disease. That you can get you can get out of it. Yeah. So if if it's where would they find your blog if people if listeners wanted to find it? Um, it's rondavd.com. Okay. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate the time that you have spent here today and sharing your story in such an open way. I think, as you said, talking about it, particularly for some reason, um, eating disorder is one of those things that we. In our culture tend to not talk about. So I really appreciate your willingness to do that and sharing it with me and hopefully helping the people that listen to this podcast. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you for listening to the Connected Family Podcast. We're dedicated to helping you build resilient kids, strong marriages, and connected families. If you'd like to continue the conversation about overcoming eating disorder, please join our Facebook group at facebook.com backslash groups backslash the Connected Family Podcast. This group consists of additional resources and discussion regarding episode topics, as well as support for building a connected family. You can also follow us on Instagram at Connections Family Counseling or our website at connectionsquincy.com.